Um, I, I've discovered something, though, about Christmas is that it's not, it's not the day so much so as it's the season. Like the day, and especially the older that you get, you discover that. And, and have you ever noticed that Christmas Day seems so short? Like it's almost like the shortest day of the year, but it's the season that makes it so special. Christmas season is great. I, I was listening to the radio when they talked about how uh, the, the retailers and many people were lamenting because, uh, because Thanksgiving fell so late that shortened the Christmas season or the shopping season. And uh, because the season, now for retailers, is something different. But, you know, for, for those of us who just value and appreciate the season, like, man, it's just, it's just a, a wonderful time. It is truly the most wonderful time of the year. I don't even care that it's cold. I just, I just don't, man. I, I'm mad that it's going to be like 55 on, on Christmas. Like I said, Wendy said, I didn't come from California to have to deal with, with warmth in Kentucky on, on Christmas. I, to be cold, and I wanted to have snow, and I want to be a my Matt's like, no, no, I came from Minneapolis. We have blizzards. I don't, I don't want it. I mean, I, I wanted to be cold and not to leave my doors, to be in my pajamas, and just enjoy the company of my family and the spirit of the season. Man, I love it so, so, so much, man. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal in, in, in my home. I, we, we've got our own traditions, like I'm sure many of you have. We, 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 we hop right on it, man. Uh, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, it is traditional that we will go. I'll go to the basement that morning. I'll grab all the decorations, and that evening, uh, my wife and daughter and I, we will get right to decorating. We bake cookies. We put on our pajamas, drink hot chocolate, and then we watch our favorite Christmas movies. And we do that as many nights as possible leading up to Christmas and we'll we, we like we have a round robin we rotate and so everybody has that turn to Christmas I'm not gonna tell y'all what I chose this year because y'all look at me different uh y'all think that I'm not so sanctified I'll tell you you know just you know for for my brothers and sisters don't watch it don't watch it okay just I, I chose Friday after next this year it's a Christmas movie it is a Christmas movie it's a Christmas movie I promise you it's a Christmas they've got Claus in it. It's a Christmas party. Uh, it's a lot. Yes, it's a Christmas movie. My my one of my favorite one of my favorites is Elf. I I love I love Elf with all my heart. I, man, I I know it backwards and forward. I watch Elf and basically recite the lines verbatim as he, I love Will Ferrell already. But I really love Elf. I think it is now the greatest movie Christmas movie all time. And I just enjoy it. I planned out our entire day. First, we're going to make snow angels for two hours, and then we're going to sit and hug together, and then we're going to eat cookie dough until there's no more left, and then we're just going to cuddle for the rest of the day. I just love it so much. I'll watch it. Oh, he's an angry elf. He must be a South Pole elf. I will watch it all day. I love that movie, man. I love Christmas Seavers. I'm a Christmas junkie, I tell you. I love I love it so much. Your, your movies, though. I want to hear y'all know I like to talk to y'all. Uh, what's, what's your favorite Christmas movies? Santa Claus with Tim Allen. The Santa Claus with the E on the end. That's right. I got you. I got you. See, I'm fluent in this. I'm fluent in this. I knew what she was talking about. Home Alone. Home Alone. Home Alone. If 
Home Alone, if that was a chocolate family, they would all be in jail because they left their baby at home for, for multiple days while they went to France and didn't recognize. CPS would be called. They'd be all locked up, but they was rich, white, living in suburbs. And so Macaulay Coke was able to stay home and do it himself. That is my one racist rant for the day. Who's next? Who's next? Say it again. Christmas with the cranks. That's a funny one. I love that one. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. What we got, Ray? What you got? What you got? Huh? Say it again. The princess and the frog. That's dope. That's dope. What'd you say, Ray? Shrek. 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 Okay. Okay. Oh, which one is the Christmas one? Huh? All of them? One of them's particularly around Christmas, isn't it? It's been a while. It's special time. Got you, got you. What else? Jingle all the way. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Sean? Everything, so that's like all of them. Polar Express, all those things. Gotta have white Christmas. Gotta have, gotta have white Christmas. Shaniqua, what you got? The Christmas story, 24 hours starting Christmas Eve. Come get it, come get it. Saw a couple more. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes, indeedy. Yes, indeedy. Miss Eva, the Grinch that stole Christmas. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Watch his heart grow. Say it again. This Christmas, modern, yeah, modern day, bring it on up. Love it, I love it, I love it. Man, I love them all. We, we watch them. My wife falls asleep nightly with a new Christmas movie. I mean, I, I stay up later, and she's normally asleep, and there's like, I mean, on cue, like four movies, and she just stays. I got her some socks, and, and, and it says she likes like the Hallmark and the Lifetime movies. So I bought her some socks that said, if you can read these socks, I'm watching a Hallmark Christmas movie that's because that's what she loves to do man we we enjoy the season man it, it is it's so special um the season is special because essentially what we're doing is waiting for the day and so it's, it's, it's not waiting in the sense of what we're used to doing when we think of waiting. In fact, if you were to insert in any other area of your life how we wait for Christmas, you'd find much more joy in waiting. Because the only thing that's happening from the Friday after Thanksgiving to Christmas Day is you are waiting, but you're not just waiting, you're waiting well. Yeah, you, you successfully wait. You make all the preparations. You make all the plans. You know that it's coming. You're looking forward to the promise of the day. You wait well. If you were to insert that in any other space where you are waiting for something to happen, waiting for God to show up, you would be successful. You wouldn't be so anxious about time and about waiting and about when things will work out because you wait well in Christmas season, don't you? You do a wonderful, fantastic job of waiting well because you know Know that there is eventually going to be a time when the day gets here and you wait on it, man, with tiptoe anticipation, with expectation, with high hopes, with joy in your hearts. I have never met a soul who got angered just said, I just wish you would hurry up and get here. No, you don't do that. You wait well. You wait well. That's what the Christmas story is about. 
If you just read the Christmas story, the characters that we engage are just waiting for something to happen. And they wait well, and God shows up, and he does something spectacular for them. It's the culmination of awaiting people. So we've been trying to challenge us for this Christmas season to, to listen and to read the Christmas story with new ears. And I pray that you've been doing it on your own. But for a moment, I, 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 we want to practice this again. So here's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read verses 1 through 10. But then when it comes to verses 11 through 14, flow with me, Adrian. When we get to verses 11 through 14, I want us to read that together, okay? So I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. So I want you to just do me a favor. I'm not going to do anything sneaky. Just close your eyes and, and just, just, just listen to it and, and let it wash over you. Put yourself in, in this time place and in, in this season and just listen. And then, then I'll, I'll tell you when it's time to open up so we can read together. Listen to Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Here's verse 10. But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Okay, Adrian, put that up. Come on, collectively, let's read that together. to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Amen. This, this time is when, when the angel makes his proclamation to the shepherds and he, he's declaring to them because they've been waiting just like everyone else that, that the wait is now over. And this is significant for us. Pay attention to this. This is significant because up until this time, Israel had been experiencing 400 years of silence. It's essentially from the time of Malachi the prophet to the birth of Jesus. It was 400. They, they refer to it as the years, the time when God did not speak. He did not reveal anything to his people. It's been, can you imagine 400 years and not a word from God? 
during this time, God was silent. They also endured a lot of trouble. Things, things happened. God was silent. This was during the time where King Darius was reigning over them. And just when they thought that they would be, be uh uh, redeemed from his captivity, Alexander the Great. Y'all remember those stories in history. Alexander the Great comes and defeats King Darius and the Greeks take over. God's still silent and eventually over time, the Romans defeat the Greeks. And now as we pick up the story, God's still not speaking. And now Israel is suffering under Roman occupation. And it's essentially, Israel's just collateral damage. They're just getting tossed to and fro. God's not speaking. It seems as though nobody cares about them. Time is just going on. And when we come to the Gospels and the New Testament, we find a people basically, essentially just waiting, wondering, when will God finally answer their prayers? You thought that it was only you. You read the Bible and you assume that the characters in the Bible experience God on a level different than you do. When some do, but ultimately they're people just like us. They're people who have been praying for years for God to show up, who had been praying for years for God to answer their prayers. And they suffered lifetimes and generation after generation, waiting, wondering, and hoping if the Lord would show up. And these people had grown accustomed to silence. 400 years, 400 years, God, God not saying a word. Silence was something they'd grown accustomed to. I thought about you uh, as I was preparing, Matt, and message last week is, man, if you haven't, if you weren't here last week, please listen to the podcast from last week is Matt talked about fear and how there was so much fear in the story. But if you think about it, it would make sense why they were fearful because for 400 years, God was not speaking. And so what happened is, although they were believers, they were religiously going through the motions, not expecting God to do anything. And that happens so often to so many of us. We religiously go through the motions. You wake up, you may pray, you may read your Bible, you may listen to some Christian gospel music, you come to church on Sunday, but you have no expectations. You don't really know or believe that God will, but you know that it's what a good Christian, a good believer is supposed to do. This is the culture that we read when Jesus pops up on the scene. These people were just simply going through the motions, wondering when will God show up. But then when you looked at the characters in the story, we learned something about God in this story as the characters are waiting for him. We've got, we've got Joseph. Joseph has his fiance, whom he discovers is pregnant. They're not married. They're pledged to be married. And he is a good man, so he intends on putting her away secretly. Yet, in a dream, the angel of the Lord appears to him and lets him know, man, the pregnancy that's happening right now is the Lord's work. And that Mary's baby will one day save You've got Joseph, and then you've also got the good priest, Zechariah, that Matt preached about last week. Zechariah is in the temple praying as the priests traditionally do, hoping that the Lord will show up, praying fervently for change. And the first thing that the angel Gabriel lets him know in this moment is that the Lord has heard your prayers. He's been waiting, and now you will have a son, and your son will become great. 
in the eyes of the Lord. Then you have his wife, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, who had been shamed and in disgrace, she says, because she was unable to bear a child. She proclaims that now the Lord has removed her disgrace from his people. She says, the Lord has done this for me. Then Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, after her initial astonishment from the angel coming to her, proclaiming what the Lord is going to do. I I love Mary's story because after she visits with Elizabeth, Mary breaks out in a moment of praise. Yeah, it ever got so good to you, man, and you just thought about, man, how good God is after you've been waiting for something. Have you ever just started singing a song that has no melody and no lyrics? It's your song. Anybody ever had your song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just your song. I, I love you, Jesus, because you love me. Yeah. It, it may not make sense. Mary, Mary does this. Mary, Mary does this. Listen to a word. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. I know your lyrics ain't that good. This is a Mary. She's a good songwriter. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away way empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. Mary's remembering, she's proclaiming, listen, all of my life I've been hearing about the God who was going to show up and come back for his people. Now I see that you have never forgotten about us, that you will lift us up again. But those are characters that we're accustomed to. Those four characters aren't the only one. You fast forward just a little bit after the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph take him to the temple to be consecrated, as was the tradition of that, way, of that day. Once they get to the temple, they meet a man, a righteous man, the Bible calls him, by the name of Simeon. Simeon had seen or it had been prophesied to Simeon that he would not die until he's seen the Lord's Messiah. And so one day, just one day, by chance, by happenstance, the Holy Spirit moved Simeon to go into the temple. He went to church on just a random day, basically. And it just so happens on that day that the Holy Spirit moved him to go to church. It was the same day that Mary and Joseph had brought Jesus to the temple for his consecration service. Simeon feels by the unction of the Spirit that this was the Messiah of the Lord. He proclaims with his lips, Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my have seen your salvation. Simeon said, Lord, wrap me up in a box and put me in the ground. I have seen enough. Lord, you are good. You are truly coming to save your people. That's Simeon. But on that very same day, there was also a prophet by the name of, and I love it, a prophet, not a prophetess, not a deaconess. It was a prophet by the name of Anna who was also in the temple. Check this out. Anna was a widow only only after seven years of marriage. And for the remainder of her days, at this point in time, the Bible tells us she's 84 years old. Remember, they get married very young back then. She's 84 years old, and the Bible says that Anna spent, matter of fact, it says she just stayed in church. 
She, she, she lived there, and she did nothing but fasting and praying. She stayed there and enjoyed the presence of God in church each and every day. And on this same day, she sees the baby Jesus and begins to prophesy to the people about the redemption of Israel that is coming through this baby named Jesus. These testimonies about the Lord coming, about him be, being here on this day, are essential to letting us know how you ought to wait, that you ought to wait with a hopeful expectation that not only will God eventually show up, God is going to show up. But it tells us, tells us a couple of things about waiting, and I want to share with you. One of the first things it tells us this is that although God may be silent, he's still sovereign. God may, God may be silent, but he's still the sovereign God. God may be untraceable to your eyes and ears, but trust me, the Bible makes it clear, even in this story, that God is in the background making moves on your behalf. You may not be able to trace him at all times. You may not always hear his voice, but know that the sovereign God always has things under control. And for so many of us, I know it's agonizing trying to figure out where God is, what's God's doing hoping that you're his voice, waiting for your change. But you be assured that God will come, come what may come to you. The God that you serve still reigns over whatever it is that's been troubling you. All things are under the sovereignty of God. God's in control. Now, that, that's difficult because when we, when we think about sovereignty, we, we imagine that sovereignty is about God being the puppeteer and essentially he's controlling the strings. That, that's not sovereignty. That's, that's kind of an incorrect definition of sovereignty. It's not like God's the puppet master and we're, we're just moving as he tells us or unctions us to. Basically, God's sovereignty looks more like wherever Whatever position you discover yourself in, know that God, Romans 8, 28, God will make sure that that moment works out for your good. God's in control. God's not nervous. He's not perplexed. He's not confused. He's not lost. He's not doubtful. He's always hopeful. He knows because the world is in his control. We've got to live our lives with an understanding that the sovereign God is working it out. I saw this clearly with nature, nature, nature. The older that I get, nature begins to amaze me. I was, I was watching TV and saw, saw just a story about, about icebergs, about icebergs. I've never seen an iceberg, and so it interested me. So I left it on a channel to see what they were talking about. And uh, I saw out on the sea that there were two types of icebergs. There were, there were real big ones. And there were, there, were, there were tiny ones in comparison, big, big mountainous icebergs and, and small house-like size icebergs. But what was puzzling to me is that as the camera was fixed on the icebergs, that there was something happening. The big icebergs were flowing in one direction, and the smaller icebergs were flowing in multiple directions. The big icebergs were constantly flowing in one way, the little icebergs were flowing in multiple ways in the opposite direction of the big icebergs. I was confused. I didn't pay attention in school all the time. And so I was trying to figure out what made the big icebergs go one direction and what made the little icebergs, thank you, go in another direction. And what I learned as I listened to the commentators tell the story was essentially this. The little icebergs are controlled by every movement of wind. 
Every time the wind blows and every time the wind changes direction, the little icebergs change direction with the wind. But the big icebergs are not controlled by the wind. They're controlled by deep ocean currents because there's a depth to them that's beneath the surface that keeps them constant no matter which direction the wind blows. What that told me about waiting for God and told me about the sovereignty of God is trusting God enough to know just because things shift and change in our world, the God that we serve doesn't. His flow and his movement is constant in the same direction, the same promise that God made to you five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, although it may be taking some time time for God to make that thing manifest. What you need to know is God is not changing because the world is changing. God is not changing because whoever occupies the office on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. God is not changing no matter who occupies the office in Frankfurt. God is not changing because of whoever you're in a current relationship with. God does not change. His movement is consistent. There are deep currents that the Lord has planted on the inside of us and rather than allowing the wind to blow us in each and every direction that the world goes, trust that the Lord is in control and he's moving the way that you need him to in the places where he has for you to go. But that's not the only thing. Listen, man, God, God may be silent, but he's also sovereign. You also need to know that God's delaying does not mean that God is distant. Just because it's taken some time does not mean that God has distanced himself from you. I know that's the, the doctrine and theology that many of us were taught, that when you mess up, then God steps away. He turns his back on you. There is nothing in Scripture that suggests the point. In fact, the reason that we are celebrating and just saying our hearts out today actually tells us that not only did God not turn his back on us when we could not and when we were so dead in our sins, not only did he not turn our back on us, he actually came for us. God may be delaying, but that does not mean he is distant from you. For the God that we serve will see it through into the day of completion. It's been 400 years. Israel's been waiting. They've been assured that something's going to happen. They don't know when. They don't know how. But they know that the Lord is supposed to show up. And it's in this spirit that the angel appears to these shepherds in the field, and they simply, he simply says this one word, today, today. If you, if you move past that too quickly, what, what, what you'll miss is the fact that today is more than just him proclaiming that it's not yesterday, nor is it tomorrow. It's right now. It's more than that. This, this is the angel letting them know that the beginning of the messianic age has begun today. Today is the day that you've been waiting for. This, this, this is the day. This is, this is what you've been crying for. Yeah, this is, this is where your hearts have been crying out. This is the moment that you've been waiting for. Today has arrived. It is finally here. The wait is over. What the Lord said he's going to do, it has happened today. Today, today. Your father talked about it. I, I thought about that, and I thought about my, my father. Um, uh, he, he didn't talk a whole lot. And then he, you know, he did a whole lot of grunting. And, um, and a lot of barking, and, and me and my sister had to deal with the repercussions of it. Uh, but the, my, my father had this saying that he would always say, from my earliest years to the day that he died, it, it never changed. He said it at least 10 times a day. And it was, it was four words. What, what did I say? 
What, what did I say? If you, if you tried to convince him that there's something that he should do or if you wanted something that he once said no about or no matter what it was, his words were simple. What did I say? He never raised his voice. He didn't get angry about it. He kind of had that stare. He looked at you and he'd say, well, what did I say? Now, what we learned about that is that that was not him telling us about what he said just now. He may have said something about that thing five years ago. But what you needed to know is that whatever he said five years ago still applied today. What did I say? Reach back in your, remem in your memory and remember what he said and know that what he said back then still rings true today. The angel proclaiming to them today is essentially God coming to them and letting them know, what did I say? I said way back in generations that I was going to bring you a savior that was going to redeem your nation, that was going to redeem your souls that was going to bring healing to your life and that day has come that day is ringing true it is here I have come the Lord has come to change your life to save you it says today right now in this day on this day the Lord has come today in the town of David don't move too fast past that either in the town of David the town of David is Bethlehem well, well, angel, you know, Bethlehem is shorter than in the town of David. Why did you just say Bethlehem rather than the town of David? Well, it's real simple. He had to say in the town of David because he needed them to make sure they understood not only that God spoke about this before, but that also that God's a promise keeper. Because God spoke to David generations ago and let him know that there would always be someone from his line who will sit on Israel's throne. And we know that Jesus is the king of kings. He came to sit at the right hand of God, which is the position of authority. So in the town of David today, this day, the messianic age has become the salvation of the Lord has come to you. In the town of David, basically God says, I keep my promises. What I spoke to you generations ago, I've been working it. I've been working it out. I've been ensuring that this day that you would know that I would fulfill my promises. And I love the fact that as God is fulfilling his promises, not only as he's speaking to the shepherds, but as he speaks to all the characters in his story. I love how God shares his story with all of them, how he speaks differently. You know, God speaks to us all differently, right? Yeah, yeah, man, there, there's some men who dream, there's some who hear voices, there's some God speaks to his word, it's a number of ways. You got to know how God communicates with you. Zechariah, Zechariah was in the temple praying to the Lord, and the Lord showed up, the angels showed up to him and spoke to him in person. Joseph, as he was preparing to put his, his fiance to the side, the Lord spoke to him in a dream. Mary was sitting at home proclaiming or, or pondering the change that was about to come, and the angel appeared to her. Elizabeth felt the moving of the Lord inside of her spirit in her body and knew that the Lord was there. The Lord speaks in a multiple types of ways for us to let us know that what he needs to say to us, the promises that he has communicated are committed to us, that they will happen and he knows just how to get through to you to let you know I am a promise keeper. What does it have to do with keeping promises? Well, it's real simple. You've been wondering if there are some things that you've been hearing from the Lord, if there are indeed from the Lord. Here's the thing. God spoke to you just 
just for you. He spoke specifically through that person, through that song, through that word, through that message, through that voice, through that dream. And when he did so, he was speaking to you. You ain't got to be perplexed or confused about that, baby. You know God's speaking to you rather than letting someone else get inside of your mind and trick you into thinking that maybe it's just my mind. Maybe I'm just talking to myself. Maybe this is what I want for myself. No, God spoke to you. He was speaking to you to let you know right where you are. This is my plans for you. This is my hope for you. I am speaking to you because I am the keeper of promises. Some of you are refusing to move because you're still waiting for God to say something different or to say it in a different way. No, what he said 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago still applies. He's waiting for you to believe that he is a promise keeper. God believes. He's waiting, reaffirming for us that what he did, what he said so long ago, it's true. There's something that happens in your life when you, when you begin to, to put your life in a rhythm of listening to the Lord in that manner. Also, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. I love how the angel makes it so personal. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. Israel had their own idea about what salvation looked like. They, they, they believed that it was going to be about the, the, the restoration of the nation of Israel, that God was going to restore them to prominence in front of people. But the salvation that God wanted to bring to them was bigger than that. It was, it was greater than that. And what I love about God is that, that God, God can hear what you think you need from him and give you what you really need from him. Which means this, is that there are times where you're going to experience some frustration. We see it even in scripture where people are asking Jesus, Lord, well, when are you going to restore the throne to Israel? They're waiting for the Lord to move the way that they want him to. There was some frustration there. They, they wanted the Romans to suffer. They wanted the Romans to, to eat crow. They wanted everybody to see that we are somebody special at this moment. But that's not why Jesus came. That's not what the angel is prophesying here. The angel is prophesying that this salvation that he's going to bring... Although you may not be free in the sense of the occupation of Rome, I came to give you freedom in your spirit. And some of us, some of us, man, we're, we're frustrated because we're waiting and wondering when is the Lord going to answer the prayer the way that we want, when that we want, and how that we want. Well, sometimes, man, the promises that God brings isn't in the boxes that we think that it. Sometimes they're not in the neatly packed promises or cases that we hope that they would be. Sometimes, man, God just answers the prayer the way that he knows that you need to get it, when you need to get it, and how you need to get it. And the sovereignty of God is about trusting the fact that although God doesn't do it the way that I want... I know that the Lord is doing it the way that I need him to. That could become a hard reality, right? Because what we want more than anything is for God to give us. I, 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 mean, I, I tell him all the time in my prayers, God, I, I, honestly, God, I just want you to do what I want you to do when I want you to do it, how I want you to do it. I, I, we got a relationship. I talk to him that way. I, I, need, I need you to do it this way at this time. For me, exactly like this. this. This is what I need from you, and, 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 and I need you to do it like that, God. And, uh, and I, I just kind of sell it there, and I just hope that he says yes. 
And, and, and more times than not, it, it doesn't come that way. Um, but as you get older and you get a little bit more traction on your tires, I'm so grateful, man, that God didn't answer many of those prayers that I had in the timing and in the way that I hoped. Because, man, I'd find myself, man, in a predicament and in some positions that I probably couldn't find. I'm so grateful that God said no. I'm so God grateful that at times God was delaying things and showing and that he was sovereign and that he was in control. I'm so glad that God can see what I cannot. Because had God been as finite as us, man, I'd still be trying to dig myself out of holes. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Jesus came for no other reason but to save you. And I, and I know that, that we, we act like it's much more than that, but we're celebrating the fact that Jesus came. He came for your, for my salvation. That, that is it. There's really nothing more to that. And that salvation is not fire insurance. It's not something that you will receive once you pass from this life to the next. Your salvation starts right now. Jesus comes so that you would experience his salvation. You find it in, in John chapter 10. For the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That was your destination. That's what he had a hope for you. But the Lord came so that you can have life and life more abundantly or to live it to the fullest. That is salvation. God wants you to thrive in this life. He wants you to thrive where you are. He wants you to live up under his sovereignty in the control of the world that he has set up for you and to thrive in that is his salvation. He has that plan for each and every one of us. Today, this day, begins the day when God has set forth in the fullness of time, the messianic age that God has come in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. Messiah, the Lord. He's, he's the anointed ruler. He's, he's the chosen one for this time, for your life, for this world. He has come for that reason. He has been chosen by God to rule in your hearts. I mentioned it a moment ago. That's why he is seated at the right hand of the Father because he is the ruler. He is the Lord of lords. He is the King of kings. And it is our hope, it should be our hope rather, that we ought to subject our entire lives under his rule and authority because that's why he came. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Lord, which tells me that sometimes, brothers and sisters, God makes us wait so that he can examine our hearts. Because if we truly trust that he is the Messiah, the Lord, if he is in control, what happens then is while we are waiting, if we trust the sovereignty of God, if we trust that God is in control, you don't have to do things underhanded, sneaky, or things to manipulate situations because you trust and you know and believe that the Lord will work 
things out. I don't have to take things in my own control. I don't have to try to manipulate people and I don't have to manipulate situations because my God is the Messiah, the Lord. He was built for this. And so while you're at home crying and wondering when things are going to change, you've got to learn how to lay it at his feet because that's why he came. He came to bear the weight of the world. He's big enough. He's strong enough. He's the anointed one to handle all the stress that you are taking on. He is the Messiah. That's why he came. He came to handle it for you because you can't handle it yourself. The Lord came for you to lay it at his feet, on his shoulders. The Messiah, the Lord, is here. And so what happens, man, in those moments, we've got to examine our hearts. If I can't sleep at night, that means, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty, but if I can't sleep at night, that means I'm trying to bear the weight all on my own. If I'm trying to figure it out, if I'm trying to change people, if I'm trying to change situations, that means I don't trust that God can. Got to examine our hearts. That's why he makes us wait so many times. But it's also, man... Mentioned earlier that what makes this season so special is really that we wait well. We're waiting well. In life, oftentimes, we don't wait so well because we don't understand what waiting is. From this moment forward, I want you to think about the Christmas season where you think about how to wait and the things that you do. Because what you need to know is that waiting's, waiting's not laziness. Waiting is not waiting for God to go to sleep. It's not waiting, and it's not the abandonment of effort. It's not, it's, it's not, it's, it's not any of those things. It's not sitting still. It's not, it's not just wondering when will things change. Waiting essentially is activity under command first. That you're going to, you're, you're waiting, you're moving, you're living life, but you know that the Lord is going to speak. So when you move, God's voice tells you to. It's activity under command. And then second, it is readiness for any new command that may come. And then third, it's the ability to do nothing until the command is given. Real quick, one more time. Waiting first is activity under command. Second, it's readiness for any new command. Third, it's the ability to do nothing until the command is given. Basically, waiting is believing that God has your best intentions in mind. And that you will do only what he hopes and expects of you until the moment and the hour that he shows up for you in your life at that time. That's how we wait well. Listening, posturing ourselves before him. Because it's not always in our time, but his time is always now. His time is always. God has never been late. God has never been out of control. God has never missed the moment. God is the moment. And whenever he steps in, things change. Wait well. Wait well. I love the, the prophet Isaiah tells us about waiting. He says, they who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength if you're tired. 
if you've been wondering when the Lord will going to show up, if, if, you've, if you're tired of not seeing things work out the way that you hope for, the, 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 the prophet, the Lord spoke to the prophet and said that if you wait through the Lord, your strength will be renewed because now waiting on the Lord allows you to put the strength of the moment on his shoulders. Though Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings as eagles and they will run and not be weary and they will walk and not be faint. If you wait well, you trust, you know that God will. Man, and that restlessness, that restlessness, man, becomes ease, activity under command. That restlessness becomes certainty that old folks used to say it this way, may not come when I want him to, but he'll be there right on time. Wait well. Wait believing. Wait hopefully. Knowing that God's going to show up. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, stand all over this room.